On today's Court Vision blog, I have a very special guest, seven-year professional NBA scout, Brian Oranger. We talk about the NBA draft, his thoughts on Zion, his insights on Ja and RJ Barrett, and his very hot take on Rui Hachimura. It was a great interview with Brian. I highly suggest you follow him on Twitter, at ScoutWithBrian, or go to his website, ScoutWithBrian.com. Excellent, excellent interview with him. I'm also talking about the NBA free agency and how crazy it was. This should be a good show. Let's Let's go. Today is Tuesday, July 2nd, and Sunday's NBA free agency was nuts. We had so many moves in less than six hours, over $1 billion assigned, which is absolutely crazy within that time span. It was a crazy, crazy NBA free agency. We had Kimba go to the Celtics. We had D'Lo to the Warriors. We had Jimmy to the Heat. We're going to get into all of that, but we're going to start with the biggest headliner. KD and Kyrie Irving have officially teamed up with the Brooklyn Nets. This Brooklyn Nets team in 2020 will be a championship contender, even if they have a Kevin Durant that's at 80%. He's still a threat and draws a lot of attention. No matter what, even if he just shoots the ball, he's still going to draw a lot of attention. Kyrie Irving, it's going to be interesting how well he handles himself as the role, as the leader of this team next year. He made a big stink in Boston. This is Kyrie's team again in Brooklyn for now, until Kevin Durant comes back. If he does not do a good job, then we know that it's him. We know that he has an issue. He needs to step up. He needs to be the leader of this team. This is a good, good, young Brooklyn Nets team who's hungry. They have a great, great chemistry with each other. It is very interesting. As Dennis had said in our my first interview with him, he had mentioned that this is a great community. These guys go down to the G League games and watch those guys play, and they all support each other. It's very, very good. It's like gonna, it's gonna see how what this chemistry does with those two guys now being brought onto the team and see what it does. Does it affect them? Is it gonna hurt them? But this Nets roster is definitely staying the same. Um, from what I was reading, they have Spencer Dinwiddie still. They still have Joe Harris. They still have Carlos Levert. They have Alan Crabtree. They have Garrett Temple. They signed Garrett Temple, I should say. Um, drafted Jalen Hands, and they have Jared Allen. They also have Dazan Musa, who was also drafted. This is crazy. This is a crazy, crazy good team. This is going to be a really good team with a good supporting cast around two superstars who have possibly have a third star to step up in a uh, Caveras Levert or a Spencer Dinwiddie. You know, it, it's it's going to be interesting. And then DeAndre Jordan brings in rebound. And I don't think he'll start. I think they'll keep Jared Allen as a starter and bring DeAndre Jordan off the bench. So this is going to be a very, very good Brooklyn Nets team. We're going to see a team that's going to make a very solid run for the playoffs this year. And then I think with the following year, when KD is healthy, depending on how healthy he is, this team might actually have a chance to win an NBA championship. They could be possibly the best team in the NBA. The piggyback off of this signing, they did the Warriors and the Nets did a sign and trade with each other to send KD to the Warrior, to, um, KD to the Nets and to send um, D'Angelo Russell to the Warriors. Very, very interesting move for the Warriors because I don't know how well D'Angelo Russell fits in that role with Steph and Clay. You know, you're bringing in another point guard slash two guard. So where are you going to put Clay? I mean, Clay's going to be out for a good chunk of the year, probably till March. So D'Angelo brings in that good replacement. But still, when Clay comes back, how do you make this rotation work? I know Steve Kerr is a smart, smart coach. It should be interesting to see how DeAndre Russell fits with this team and how well he plays and what his role is going to be. And, you know, this is a guy that was a leader of the Brooklyn Nats last year and took them to the playoffs to a guy that might have to take a step back from being that leader role and fall into the footsteps of Steph Curry and Clay Thompson. But he's on a winning team again. So it's not a lose situation. I was hoping that they wouldn't do a sign trade and D'Angelo Russell would end up going to the Minnesota Timberwolves, but that didn't end up happening because I think the T-Wolves are also due, but it's unfortunate that they weren't able to get their guy. Um, you know, But this Warriors team is going to be 
very interesting. I think a lot of people are not talking about them as much because they've been talking about the KD Kyrie um, sign, which is obviously the the biggest move that was made in NBA free agency, and you know how fast everything happened. Um, so it should be interesting to see how well D'Lo fits into that role. You know, again, he's he's going to be starting this year. We'll see how well he comes off being the shooting guard, how many shots he's going to get up, how much he's going to ban the ball. I mean, this also kind of frees up Steph as well to be that two-guard play. You know, uh, Draymond Green's going to be running the point again as well, and I think the ball's going to be more Draymond Green's hands again where he's pushing the ball at the court, which is good because it gets those guys going on that team. It should be interesting to see how well the ball gets moved around, how well D'Angelo Russell's personality fits in with the, the Warriors. But, you know, look what they did with Kevin Durant. So they're a smart team. They have a very smart coach. Um, it should be a good one. I mean, I, NBA next year is going to be so freaking interesting with, you know, the Nets and, you know, now the Warriors having D'Angelo Russo. But a team I think a lot of people are kind of shocked by that had made some kind of, like, not big-name signings, but enough signings to make them good a good team is the utah jazz the utah jazz yesterday i think it was a silent killer in nba free agency and i think they have made themselves nba contenders in the west um nba championship contenders just to say how west they signed bodon bodanovich um a player to average 18 points per game who led the indian pacers last year when victor oladipo went out with his injury he is going to fit so perfectly into this role that he's going to open up the court more for Mitchell he's also going to open up more shooting for Conley this is going to be a team that's going to be tough to a tough team to contend with they also signed an Ed Davis who I think was the biggest deal of free agency underneath all the superstars obviously um someone that kind of went underneath the radar as well this is a guy that averaged nine rebounds a game last year and 5.3 points per game you know he He's a good fit for this team. I mean, he's not going to start right away, and he's going to come off the bench for them, I think. That's going to be good. It's going to be a good fit for them because now you're looking at a team that has started of Conley, Mitchell, Bogdanovich, Ingles, and Gobert. That's a great, A, a great defensive team, a great offensive team with three three solid three-point shooters, two guys that can drive the ball as well and kick it out to those three-point shooters of Bogdanovich and Ingles, and you have a defense that's anchored by Gobert. Utah Jazz fans have to be very, very excited about this. Though they didn't make the biggest splash in NBA free agency, they did make a big splash for that trade for Mike Conley Jr. And then adding on Bogdanovich and and, um, Ed Davis is absolutely crazy. I think... This is a team that's going to make the Western Conference Finals next year. They are absolutely going to be so tough to stop. It They, they look great. They Honestly, this is a team on paper that right now I'm looking at. I can't say that they're not going to make the Western Conference Finals because I think they're good. I think they're right there. You know, Denver's definitely still up there again. I think they're two or three. You know, I also think Oklahoma City is going to be a threat in the West too. I mean, you got, you're going to have a healthy Paul George, a healthy West Westbrook coming back they also signed Stephen Adams back they're going to be a good team as well but I think your Utah Jazz is going to be a, your surprise team next year that made some big splashes that were kind of under the radar I mean Mike Conley has been an amazing point guard um, in the NBA very 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 underrated I think in my eyes should be an all-star several times the guy plays so well he's going to relieve Mitchell and then Bogdanovich is also going to relieve Mitchell scoring so this is going to help out a lot and I think Mitchell is going to come back to that rookie year that he had instead of that sophomore slump he's not going to have to shoot as much and he's not going to have to carry the team as much he's a great great young player that's going to have a I think going to have his breakout year next year Utah Jazz fans should be very excited now Staying in the West, we're also going to talk about the Portland Trailblazers and their move. Portland Trailblazers traded for Hassan Whiteside because of the Jimmy Butler trade, which I'll get, um, Jimmy Butler signing with Miami, which I'll get into. But they traded, had gotten Hassan Hassan Whiteside from the Miami Heat. Crazy, crazy, crazy move. I think this is a good move for the 
the Portland Trailblazers. I think Hassan Whiteside gives them some athleticism up front, some rebounding, and can potentially score 15 points per game for them as well as get them 10, 10 rebounds per game. This is going to be a great Portland Trailblazers team that made the Western Conference Finals last year. Even though they got swept, it doesn't matter. This team is great because C.J. McCollum had his breakout year last year in the playoffs. A Dame Lillard that just signed a huge, huge contract of close to $200 million. Uh, it's it's going to be... That Trailblazers team is going to be awesome. So the landscape of the NBA has kind of shifted. And it's a good shift in both ways. I think both Western Conference and Eastern Conference are now pretty much even. I think back in the day... I remember back in the day, the, the Western Conference pretty much dominated for the longest time. And then it started shifting back to the East a little bit more with the Celtics and the Magic. And now it's kind of just starting to even itself out with everything that's going on um, with with these trades and deals and all the NBA free agency. So it's kind of shifted back to a little for even. Um, so with that Blazers trade, they got Hassan Whiteside to free up room for Jimmy Butler. Jimmy Butler had signed with Miami Heat, which I'm not the biggest fan of the signing by Miami Heat. You know, I know it gives Miami a super a star that they want. Um, you know, Jimmy is a definitely a top twenty NBA player, but I think Jimmy Butler just put himself in the same position again that he just had with Minnesota, where he's putting himself with a team that you know is young, needs to learn how to win, has to make a lot of effort. You know, they did get Mo Harkless back in the trade and, you know, I I don't I just don't know how well it's gonna work out for Jimmy Butler down there and if it's gonna be Timberwolves two point and if he just signed down there because it's Miami and it's a nice place to live. Um, I'm not too sure. It was a weird, weird signing for him. And it's also weird because this is a guy that says he wants to go to a team that can win and wants to win and wants to be part of that. And now he goes down to Miami where Miami, we're looking at possibly another lottery year for them. This is an interesting signing. I'm not a fan of it for Jimmy Butler. I think he might have a, we might have a Timberwolves 2.0 situation on our hand. We'll see. He did deny rumors did come out. He did deny an extension from the Sixers. So it's his decision. He made his decision. Hopefully it's a good one. I hope it works out for him. But I think we're looking at Timberwolves 2.0. I don't know. I just I don't know. I don't know what he's thinking. It's a little crazy. It's a little weird. So we're gonna jump right into the Sixers now. The Sixers have made they made a. Good signing by resigning back Tobias Harris, but they also were the silent people to sign Al Horford. This gives this team a very interesting look now of going back to the old school way of playing two big men at the same time, but these two big men can actually spread the floor for them. So this is very interesting to see Al Horford go to a Eastern Conference rival, um, unfortunately for me being the Celtics fan that I am. Um, I think he's a good fit with this team. It should be interesting how well they play with another big guy like an Al Horford. Al Horford likes to play power forward, so he's going back to his natural position that he's a fan of. Uh, you know, you have Joe Embiid at center. You have um, Tobias Harris. Now looks like he's going to play the three. You have Ben Simmons at the five, and I, Josh Richardson, who was in that trade for Miami, was most likely going to be a starting shooting guard. This should be a very, very interesting team, the Sixers. I think they're going to be a good team. I know they're one shot away from playing maybe in the Eastern Conference Finals, maybe the NBA Finals as well, too, if Kawhi didn't hit that buzzer beater. So it should be a very uh, interesting year for the Sixers. I think the Sixers got a little bit stronger with the Horford signing. Um, I think they're going to be a tough team to beat. I it's going to be interesting to see where Kawhi signs with too as well. We don't know what's going on, but I think they are now the, one of the top, the, probably the top team to contend for the East, the Eastern Conference, um, which pains me to say. But you know they look great with this lineup on paper, but you know it depends how well Brett Brown can, what Brett Brown can game plan for this team, what they can do, and how well they can do it. So it should be. Very interesting how well it's going to work out with their di- that dynamic of playing 
the two bigs, Tobias Harris, who originally plays off a of spread four, is now playing the three. Um, you know, and having a Ben Simmons who's been working on his jump shots, who can at least shoot the ball a little bit better. Crazy that you're in the NBA and you can't shoot the ball. I think that hurts them as well, but we'll see what happens. It's going to be a very, very good Sixers team. A very, very good Sixers team, just looking at them on paper. Um, and we're going to move right to their Celtics, their Eastern Conference rival, the Celtics. The Celtics had made a, a good recovery from losing uh, a a Kyrie Irving to getting a Kimball Walker. Kimball Walker last year averaged 26 points per game and 6 assists. He didn't have much on that team either, which is kind of crazy because I think this is the best team he's ever played with. So it should be interesting to see how well he plays with because this is the best team he's ever played with. I mean, Charlotte never really put anyone around him to help him out and help him um, develop his skills or make him better. It's Charlotte kind of just, you know left him in the dust and he had a bunch of guys that were you know role players on any other team or you know six men on any other team um that were starters and they just didn't quite fit the mold i think kimball had to carry most of the load for that team um so it's very interesting because kimball had his breakout season last year and for charlotte just to let him walk away I don't know what Charlotte's doing. I'm happy he went to Boston. Boston locked out. Boston got that guy. They also signed Ince Cantor, um, you know, who also gives them that center that they need that they're missing out with because they lost uh, Baines and they lost Horford, Horford in this offseason. So that helps them build up. They got their guy in front and they got their guy in the backcourt. So it should be a very interesting Boston Celtics team to watch. Like I said, the Charlotte team, I don't know what they're doing. I don't know what they ha- are like thinking. They missed out on a lot of draft picks. I'm not sure what Michael Jordan's plan is for this team. Um, but, hey, lucked out for the Celtics because the Celtics got a great player in Kimball Walker who I think is playing with the best team he's ever played with. We have a Jason Tatum, a Jalen Brown, hopefully a healthy Gordon Hayward when he comes back, an Inns Cantor. Uh, it's going to be a great, great season for the Boston Celtics as well, too. I think there are they put themselves back up in the top five for the East and win the East and possibly maybe win out in the East. We don't know, but you know you have to go through a Philadelphia team that looks like they're pretty stacked right now, and you have to see what Toronto is going to do if they, if they get Kawhi Leonard back or not. That's also a very interesting thing, too, because Kawhi hasn't signed with anybody. He's taking a sweet time with it. He's having meetings with the Lakers, the Clippers, and the Raptors. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens there. There's heavy rumors that he's going to sign with the Lakers. As I roll my eyes at this one. Um, I hope he doesn't. I hope he goes back to Toronto. I'd like to see Toronto run it back with him. I mean, this guy is unbelievable. He's had a Jordan-esque season. And even if he signs with the Clippers, I think it makes Clippers the championship contenders because look at Kawhi Leonard. I don't. There's something about this guy that he just wins championships. Look what he did on the Spurs. Great defender, great mid-range shooter. Look what he did on Toronto. Just great defender, great mid-range shooter. Just the robot that he is has just absolutely just been carrying his teams to... NBA championships and winning MVP, NBA Finals MVPs. The guy is a great, great player, and it should be very interesting to see what happens and where he goes. Um, I think also the biggest winner of this offseason has been the Pelicans. Man, had the Pelicans been the biggest winner of this offseason. Between the trade of Anthony Davis, getting Zoe, getting uh, Brandon Ingram, getting Josh Hart, getting three first-rounders, getting Zion Williamson... And then they just signed J.J. Redick, who gives them an outside threat. That's a damn good Pelicans team right now. It's kind of crazy. David Griffin is doing an excellent job with that team and rebuilding that team. It's going to be, they're going to be a lot of fun to watch as they grow. I mean, like I said, I think they're about three years away from the playoffs. I think the Pelicans had one of the best off seasons. Now, I would have liked to seen a J.J. Redick go to a... Oklahoma City Thunder, who need that outside shooting, who need that extra guy that can hit threes for them. But, you know, he went to the Pelicans. He must see something in that young team. He's going to be a great veteran leader, him and Drew Holiday, to those younger guys to help them out, How what it's like to live in the NBA, what it's like to be in the NBA, help them on and off the court. 
you know, this is going to be a very good Pelicans team. It's going to be a lot of fun to watch. Hell, this whole NBA free agency has been absolutely, absolutely, absolutely nuts. I can't believe how quick it happened. I was so disappointed that it happened so fast. I was kind of hoping it would kind of spin out and we have a little bit more drama. I think I got on the lower quick pretty quick that katie and Kyrie had signed with brooklyn i think like an hour before and i was kind of like oh i wanted to see some eye emojis go flying through i wanted the drama i wanted all the woge bar bombs to come up or alerts and people thinking what was going to happen um i was listening to the nba series xm radio and they were just like rattling the guys were just go signing everywhere i went was out at the grocery store i was listening it was just crazy how quickly guys were just getting scooped up and going places and then when I had fallen asleep and woke up in the middle of the night, I started to Angela Russell went to the Warriors, so which was even more nuts. So it was an absolutely crazy NBA free agency, probably one of the best ones that we've had in a long time. And, um, you know, it should be interesting. The Nets definitely made a huge splash this year. I don't know what's going to happen with them. Um, I think they're going to have a hell of a season. I think Kyrie is going to turn around with that young, young Nets team, and I think they're going to be a threat. I think they're going to be a real tough threat in the East. I think they take the e- I think they go to the Eastern Conference Finals this year. That's a team that just looks good no matter what. I mean, they gave Philadelphia. They hurt Philadelphia's pride last year in the playoffs, with just with the crew that they have. And now when you add a DeAndre Jordan and Kyrie Irving for this season and then a KD the following season, you're looking at probably one of the best teams that we're going to see out there with the guys that they have. Yeah, we're looking at one of the best teams in the NBA right now. It's going to be a lot of fun. NBA landscape has changed completely. I think both the East and the West are back to being even. I think Portland Trailblazers made some great moves. I also think Utah Jazz are like the sleepers of the West. I think they're going to be guys that they're, that's the teams that are going to make the Western Conference Finals this year. I can guarantee it. And if I'm wrong, then I'll, I don't know what I'll do. But like, I think that's a team that's looking like they're going to make the Western Conference Finals next year. They're stacked. They're very, very stacked. Um, it's just crazy so this year's nba free agency was absolutely nuts i hope you guys enjoyed uh watching uh the free agency all the moves that are going on we're still waiting on one guy to make his move and we're still waiting for Kawhi Leonard to see where he goes and what happens and where he's gonna be and what's gonna happen so i, I don't know we'll, we'll find out so it should be it should be crazy but Let's um, get into this interview with uh, Brian Oranger. Like I said, Brian was a seven-year pro NBA scout. Uh, great, great interview with Brian. He gives a lot of great insight on uh, the, the picks, Zion Williamson. Uh, he gives a great hot take on Rui Hachimura that I didn't even think about. I compared Rui to Jabari Parker, but he takes it to another level of who he compares um, Rui Hachimura to. He gives great information on John Morant. You guys should definitely check out his videos on scoutwithbrian.com. They're awesome. He gives such great breakdowns of these guys and like what what their weaknesses are, what like you know what their strengths are. I've like I've thoroughly enjoyed watching them. So here's the interview with Brian. Yes, we have Brian Orner with us. Uh, you can find Brian on Scout with Brian or on Twitter or scoutwithbrian.com. Uh, Brian, I can't thank you enough for coming on. Thank you for being here. Appreciate you having me. Yeah, this is great. This is awesome. I'm very excited. Um, so, Brian, I want to, since you've been a pro scout for seven years in the NBA, I want to talk to you about some uh, the, the draft and your thoughts on some guys and where they are and how, uh, how much of an impact they'll make on the NBA. How does that sound? Yeah, let's do it. All right. So, what are your thoughts on you know? Let's go. We'll start with the obvious, the obvious number one pick, uh, Zion Williamson. What do you? What are your thoughts on like how much of an impact he's going to make on that Pelicans team? I think he's going to be you know a really good player. Um, but at the same time, you know, I've, I've cautioned people to to give him time and to uh, you know not not put the the whole world uh, of expectations on his shoulders. I, I think he. You know, I, I've compared him to kind of a supercharged uh, Julius Randle or even maybe a Draymond. But, you know, I think he's uh, he'll make his impact as a hustle player with re- rebounds, with block shots, uh, with scoring in transition, uh, you know, offensive rebounds, things like that. I, I do think, though, it's fair to say that his uh, 
you know, his half court offensive game does need a lot of improvement still. He's, you know, pretty poor shooter, a, a poor ball handler, especially with his right hand. Uh, he's incredibly left-hand dominant uh, in the post. So, you know, seeing him as a as a six eight four man in the NBA, I, I think he will have some some trouble uh, scoring within an NBA half court offense, and it's going to take him take him some time to adjust. But uh, I definitely think he'll be an exciting player, and uh, you know, find a way to make a big impact regardless. So, how do you think he'll fit into a sense like the NBA's game is such a spread offensive game? Like, do you think he'll be better? I don't know, like being a stretch four or like where do you see him or like a, a three? Like what position do you see him as or is he like kind of almost positionless? Like, I, I see him uh, I see him kind of as a four or five. I think he'll, uh, you know, I think he's okay at the four and then you can kind of play that small ball five that, that Draymond plays a little bit, I think is a, an intriguing place for him. I, I don't think his, his ball handling ability is good enough, uh, you know, at least right now to really play any three and, and his shooting as well. And, uh, and yeah, you know, that's what kind of concerns me a little bit, at least off the bat. I, I know, you know, and as Cantor and uh, Gilbert Arenas and some, some famous people with much bigger names uh, than me have recently, you know, raised some concerns. But I, I've been on for a while and I've said that I just, you know, I do think we've overdone it a little bit. I, I still probably would have taken him first and think he's, uh, a really good prospect, but uh, yeah, I think his game, you know, with it, the way the NBA plays today, like you said, you know, as a as a stretch four, I think he's going to struggle with his shot, struggle with his handle a little bit, and uh, it's going to take him some time to adjust to the NBA game. Yeah, I can definitely see that. I mean, his jump shots kind of like and he shoots from a weird position as well, too, um, and it's not as quick. I think you know, college is different, and I think like you know, he's going to be a great player, but I think. A lot of the hype has been since he's been in high school. It's all the dunks and everything like that. I mean, he did average 22 in the um, ACC, which is kind of interesting. So it should be, um, you know, it should be an interesting way how he plays out, you know, in the NBA. I mean, I don't think he's going to be a tomorrow like, you know, LeBron James. But Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, uh, you know, I think obviously he, he dominated the college game. But uh, at the same time, you know, in college you're playing against uh, – bunch of boys for the most part in the nba you're going against uh, grown men every night and you know it's a little different uh, when you're playing some six four six five guys to going against Giannis and siakam and aaron gordon and uh you know that kind of size size and length every night and uh you know if you if you're predictable if you just only have one or two moves you know it's pretty easy to uh to guard you so i think yeah he's gonna have to keep uh, developing his, his skill set and you know he can get there but it's uh, it's gonna take some time Definitely. Yeah. And, and so who would you compare him to? Because we've heard a lot of comparisons to Charles Barkley, but who would you compare him to um, as an NBA player? Yeah, like I said, I mean, I, I do think, honestly, it's funny watching him that, uh, you know, he does when you watch him get the ball in the post, you know, he's a little bit stronger, obviously, and a little more athletic. But, you know, he does play kind of similar to, to Randall in terms of being kind of a plotter, you know, tries to bully his way to his, his right shoulder every time uh, for his left hand. Um, you know, I think when he takes shots, he kind of, like Randall, has a, he likes to sort of jab with his right foot forward, kind of Zach Randolph type. Um, you know, I, I know these are all just lefties, and maybe it's just a comparison out of convenience a little bit, but just something in the way that he plays kind of really reminds me, um, you know, of those two guys in particular. But yeah, I mean, I can see, you know, a little of the Barkley, a little of the Larry Johnson, you know, super athletic guy that's, you know, a little little bit undersized. But, uh, yeah, I think right now his game to me more is of the kind of Randall to, to Zebo variety, um, you know, with a little more athleticism. And, uh, you know, how well he develops his skills will, will determine how good of a player he is. Yeah, yeah. It's up to him to make, it, make that move, you know. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right, so next would be the second pick. So, John, so what, do you, what are your thoughts on John? Like, hey, there's a lot of hype around him. I think he's actually a player that has, you know, I give him a lot of credit for a player that went f- for playing at a smaller school, um, averaging 12 points a game to up in his game up his sophomore year to becoming a second-round pick. What are your thoughts on him? I like John a lot. I think, uh, you know, I think he has a good chance, honestly, to, to come in and, be rookie of the year. I think his game might be the most NBA ready. Um, I think he fits pretty perfectly into the kind of spread pick and roll, um, you know, style that's played today. I think he, 
you know, will average maybe 10 assists a game from day one, be one of the best uh, passing point guards right away. Um, you know, he just has a really, really good feel for the game, can pass well with both hands. Um, you know, the shot, I think, is is there. He needs a little work, and, uh, you know, he has to continue to, to find, you know, refine that. But, uh, yeah, I think he has the potential to be kind of a, you know, I've likened Mike Conley, Jeff Teague type point guard that's, uh, you know, probably not an all-star every year, but uh, on the fringe, at least in Conley's case, somebody that, you know, should have made multiple uh, multiple all-star games. Yeah, I think with I think it would be interesting too with him teaming up with uh, Jerry and Jackson. You know, the two those two young players and how well they're going to play together in a pick and roll game, and you know how explosive he'll be, like throwing alley oops and dunking and like teaming up with Jerry and see where they both go. Yeah, they uh, they have a you know pretty explosive young core there now, and uh, you know I think they're starting to to build some good things and uh you know they still have uh some other intriguing young guys that that had a good stretch at the end of last season i don't know exactly you know how many guys they're going to bring back but uh you know out of valanchunas or delon Wright or uh you know kabak bruno uh the other guys that are there you know i think they they definitely have some talent and some pieces and you know i think they're uh they're pretty close to to being maybe a, a competitive team yeah that's good you I would say they're probably like maybe like a three or four years away. Hopefully, you know. I mean, if you're a Memphis fan, um, you know, and they made that trade and getting rid of Conley, so we'll see how well they build around those young, those two young pieces that they have right now. For sure. Um, R.J. Barrett. Now, what are your thoughts on him? I, you know, first of all, the Knicks didn't mess up the pick, so that's kind of nice. If you're a Knicks fan, right? Yeah, I, uh, I don't know. I'm not. I'm not sold totally on him I, I think you know I think he'll be a good player I personally I've said I think uh you know I'm, I was a little bit higher on, on Culver and even Garland uh than RJ I, I like RJ's game and uh, you know I think he has a good feel I think he's a good passer a good defender um you know a high motor guy but uh you know I think he also likes Zion I think he's really really left-hand dominant uh at least right now I, I think his shot obviously needs a decent amount of work and, uh, you know, has a ways to go. So, you know, I think he'll fit in okay and, and be a good piece. But uh, I, I think he's one of the guys that needs a little more seasoning and, uh, you know, is not going to be a huge, huge impact guy uh, from day one. No. And do you think – so I thought, like, one of his weaknesses that I saw in college that he played a lot of hero ball, especially down on the last minutes that he forced a lot of shots. Do you think that – hopefully change when he comes over or like what do you what do you see as like one of his biggest weaknesses besides being left-handed dominant um yeah that i also see with him you know i think uh most of the elite players in the game can can score from all three levels you know they can score from the rim from three and from mid-range um you know and he he scores okay from from the rim i think he'll be able to score okay from three but uh he doesn't really have much of a mid-range game you know that's what kind of put Culver uh over him for me at least I think he kind of is uh you know can create his own shot in mid-range can play uh in post-ups you know I think RJ can't really do that and maybe that's why it seems like he's you know trying to force that stuff sometimes when it's just not really a, a skill of his but yeah you know I think he'll uh at least he compliments Knox okay in that he can he can handle the ball when Knox is more of a of a spot up shooter, and uh, you know theoretically, they should be a pretty good fit uh, together. And I think he'll you know he'll end up being a fine player. I just think uh, you know both the Knicks and the Hawks potentially might have passed up on uh, you know guys with real superstar potential, in my opinion. Oh yeah, I, so like you didn't like the Hawks picks with uh, DeAndre Hunter and um, Cam Reddish, or you just thought like I mean I think like you mentioned i thought jared culver might be one of the better players in this draft but um what are your thoughts on like deandre hunter and um cam reddish for the hawks what's their impact and how will they fit into that team system uh, i i like the reddish pick i mean obviously at 10 you know once he fell like that I, I think it was a you know a good insurance policy at worst if uh if hunter you know isn't isn't a great player kind of like i think i think you know reddish definitely is a is a high upside guy, but, uh, yeah, you know, Hunter, I, I think is, is solid and I think he'll be an NBA role player, but I just, you know, I don't see the superstar potential. And I think when you're drafting top five, you usually 
want to get somebody at least the uh, you know with the possibility to be a really you know transcendent all-star type player um hunter to me you know i think he's kind of a three four tweener um you know i think he he doesn't really uh he doesn't handle the ball really well which again makes it hard to play the three spot um you know i think he could he could play a little small ball four uh but uh you know he's not a super comfortable three-point shooter right now um you know his game in college was more of a mid-range one or two dribble pull up uh face-ups in the post you know, things like that. And then, you know, when you're an undersized, again, six eight, six nine, four man in the NBA, teams aren't going to, you know, run their offense through you. So, uh, yeah, you know, I just, uh, Hunter, I think, is, is a bench player. Um, you know, I don't think he's a whole lot better than, than Torian Prince was. Um, and I know that's a, a pretty controversial take and one that uh, a lot of Hawks fans probably don't, don't agree with. But, uh, you know, every year in the draft, we end up missing on some guys. And, you know, how many how many Derek Williamses and Anthony Bennett's and all theirs, you know, all these guys that people thought would be really good. Uh, just to me, you know, DeAndre Hunter's kind of the guy in this draft that I'm just uh, really not sold on at all. Yeah, I know. I, I can definitely see that. That's, that's, that's actually a first um, time I've actually heard someone say that. That's actually a very hot take, but no, I mean, I think I heard one of the analysts saying, I'm not surprised that they didn't pick Jared Culver, which is like, I was kind of surprised by thought that DeAndre Hunter had a solid year, but I don't think he was, like, a Culver-type year, you know? Um, and what are your thoughts on, like, Culver of a guy of that statue or a guy that works so hard? I feel like he came out, he played his freshman year, but his sophomore year he exploded onto the scene and took a Texas Tech team to the NCAA Finals. Yeah, I, uh, you know, watching him, I, I've said that the guy that just kind of, comes to mind is, uh, you know, is Paul George. And Paul George was, you know, obviously, a, what was he, a 10th pick or 11th pick or something. He was the guy that, you know, people didn't know a whole lot about in, in school. And, and Culver even has a, a bigger profile than that. But, uh, you know, Culver, I think, is a guy who's maybe he's listed 6'7", six, 6'8". Six, I've, I've seen some people think he's he's still growing or he might even be 6'9 already. Um, you know, I think he, like I said, I, I think he has a really intriguing skill set and that he can – create his own shot. He can score from the post, um, you know, do those things that kind of the, the Paul George's Kawhi, uh, Jimmy Butler, you know, the, the thing that makes those guys elite um, in my opinion. And, you know, I think he has a good shot mechanically. I know he didn't shoot a great percentage, but I, I think his shot w- with repetitions and, you know, with his work ethic, I think is, is going to end up uh, working just fine. And, you know, on top of that, like you said, he, he really expanded his game. He's a good good playmaker, good passer, you know, he plays so hard and, and kind of willed his team to a, uh, you know, to the championship game. So, yeah, he's a guy I'm, I'm really, really high on. And uh, I think Minnesota got a potential superstar at, uh, at number six. Yeah, I agree with you. I think, like, it's the same thing with John Morant and as well Jared Culver. Those guys who their freshman year that a lot of people never really heard of and then they come on to the come on in their sophomore year and they play really well and they expand their games and explode onto the scene. I think that just tells you about their work ethic and what type of players they are and how they want to get, like, you know, how much better they want to grow and how much they love the game. For sure. That's, uh, you know, that's a huge thing to me. I I think, you know, we we tend to think these players are are done and just look at, oh, this guy shot, you know, 40% from the college three and this and that, and that's all great. But, uh, you know, Kawhi shot, 29% 29% from college three, like these guys are, are far from, uh, from finished products, you know, a, a great work ethic can make up for a lot of things. And, uh, you know, really what it comes down to is, is how hard they're willing to work every single day from, from here on out. So yeah, at the end of the day, I'm just projecting, everybody's just projecting, but, uh, you know, all I can do is, is give you and give the fans my, my guesses. And, uh, you know, that's, that's kind of how I see it. Yeah, they, they are, I, you know, I've watched your videos, and for those who uh, are listening out there, I definitely give Brian a follow on on uh, on his website at scottwithbrian.com because he uh, he does a great job of breaking down videos and film, and you know, um, they're they're really great. Um, do you think that athleticism like blinds GMs, guys with like a lot of athleticism, but they don't have a ton of like other mechanics and skills of the shooting or post-up game or uh, even some dribbling skills like you know guys that like you know like maybe like like for example a Zion a guy who's an athletic freak um do you think 
that blinds GMs and with their picks or anything like that. And I feel like that's like with the DeAndre Hunter pick going back to him. I feel like he was just very athletic and it kind of, you know, blinded, you know, to the sense of picking him before Culliver. Yeah, I think to an extent, you know, uh, ultimately, you know, it is very important and it is uh, something that can translate even, you know, guys who sometimes are late bloomers and, and you pick, pick somebody who's got great wingspan or, or great athletic ability, you know, obviously like a, a Giannis did, but uh, at the same time, you know, a guy that kind of comes to mind is somebody like Jock, uh, Josh Jackson, you know, at Kansas was kind of looked at as, you know, oh, he's got so much athleticism. He's got, you know, this body, this skill set, uh, you know, this frame and all these things. But, you know, when it comes down to actually being able to make basketball plays and make shots and, uh, you know, make his teammates better and, things like that, you know, that's where you see him struggle a little bit more. So, yeah, I, I think, uh, you know, like Derek Williams, like I mentioned, guys like that, I, I think had a lot of those same uh, athleticism praises and, and people talking about Anthony Bennett and, and, you know, what a freak he was and what a leaper he was and all these things. But, you know, if you come out to the NBA and you're a six six eight six nine big man and, you you know, you're not really making shots and, you know, you can't dribble the ball that well and all those things, you end up getting exposed. So I think people people sometimes just forget, uh, you know, how good guys in the NBA really are and uh, how it's a totally, totally different world um, than what they've gone against in college. Yeah, no, it's true. It's those, the game is, I don't think people realize it and like uh, how much faster it is than it is in college. I mean, you don't really see it on TV, but if you stick close enough, you can tell the difference of the speed of the games. It's kind of crazy, just the athleticism these guys have and the skills that they have. It's 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 wild. So you, I think a lot of people don't really see that as well, too. I mean, from a fan's basis, I'm sure the GMs and the other guys see it. But, you know, from a fan basis, people don't realize how fast the game is. Right, for sure. And then, you know, on top of that, it's... Uh... You know, like I said, Zion, the ACC is a, is a good conference, a great conference. But, you know, how many of the guys he's playing against are going to end up even playing professional basketball, much less the NBA? You know, it's okay. probably 99% of them won't even play any professional basketball and, you know, a much smaller percentage or even even close to being NBA athletes. So, you know, now we're, now we're going to see him in summer league against a, a bunch of guys who, you know, 90 seven percent aren't nba players either and uh you know he'll probably do pretty well but once you're going against guys who are uh, you know 100 percent nba players it's a it's, it's a different ball game and you know it's gonna take some time to adjust yeah it's true and it's not to mention they teamed up with like two of the best college players already so it's not okay to play against them and that in the a- acc right yeah. um so, what are your thoughts? So, Rui Hachimura is definitely an interesting pick. Uh, I really like him a lot. I think he's one of those guys, too, who reminds you of a Culver and um, John Morant, just a guy that puts in a lot of effort and works hard. What are your thoughts on, like, what type of player he can be and who would you compare him to? Yeah, I, uh, you know, it's funny watching him. I I had another, another take that, uh, you know, is a little bit of a hot take, and I, you know, some people obviously have reacted uh, strongly to it, but the one guy that kind of came to mind watching him was was Giannis uh, to me. You know, and that's that's not saying that obviously he's got a he's got a really long way to go to yeah. to get there. But uh, you know, how many people thought Giannis was was going to be an MVP candidate in his first, second, or even third year? You know, in the NBA, it, it took him a, a long time. He was a you know a fifteenth pick and. Uh, you know, just looking at them from a physical standpoint, I mean, obviously Giannis is nearly seven feet and, you know, an athletic freak and, and does all these other things. But, you know, Rui's uh, 6'9", maybe 6'10". Um, you know, he, he's got a, a 7'2 wingspan, I think. Giannis is 7'3". Um, you know, I, I think he he's kind of a late bloomer as well. He's only started playing basketball when he was 13. Um, just had crazy. only played baseball before that. And, uh yeah, I mean, just watching him play, I think he's another guy who really improved, you know, throughout college and, and clearly is a worker. I think he, uh, you know, at that four spot, I think he can handle the ball, which is a huge skill set that, you know, guys like Giannis, guys like Siakam uh, have, you know, being able to take their man off the dribble, being able to, you know, work their way down to the, the block. I think he's got a really skilled uh, post game. You know, he's really fundamental down there. And Mark Few, you know, has done a great job uh, developing his his post moves and uh, 
yeah, you know, I think he's the kind of switchable defender that, that fits in well in today's game, the ability to, you know, to guard for us to start, but to end up switching and, and guarding a lot of uh, different players throughout the course of a game. So, yeah, I think he's got a, a tremendous amount of upside, and I think he, uh, you know, could end up being that guy who is, is looked at as kind of that steal, uh, you know, the honest Kawhi, Paul George type, you know, within a few years. I, I think he definitely has a, has a really high ceiling. Wow. Yeah, that's a that's a big comparison, but yeah, and I think he has a high high ceiling too. I was actually I kind of compared him to um, my thoughts where I thought he was a little bit remind me a little bit of Jabari, Jabari Parker a little bit before he got hurt, like you know before the injuries and stuff. Yeah, just the, that mid range game kind of. I think he could be a, like that a, a young Jabari Parker, but the Giannis comparison is a great comparison. I think you're absolutely right on that. Yeah, Jabari uh, pre-injury was was pretty darn good. It's uh, that's one of the great what ifs if he had uh, you know stayed healthy and uh, in basketball is pretty pretty devastating what uh, what happened to him. But, but yeah, I mean you know Giannis, uh, like I said, I know it kind of lights some people's uh, heads on fire and they you know think it's <laughs> blasphemous to compare anybody to him. But you know, like I said, nobody thought <laughs> if you thought Giannis was going to be what he was when he was drafted or when he was a rookie or second year player you know you should be a, a billionaire right now you know yeah so, <laughs> that's right yeah um so just a couple more questions here uh and then we'll wrap it up uh just what are your thoughts on the Darius Garland pick with Cleveland and like how is he going to fit in with the Colin Sexton is that like you know are they going to play you think they're going to play a two-point guard set is that like more John Belon style um I, I like Garland a lot. I, I think, uh, you know, I think Cleveland's at a at a spot where they probably just, you know, had to take the best player uh, regardless. I, I don't think they have enough talent there uh, to really start drafting for, for position yet. Um, you know, I think, like I said, you know, I think Culver uh, will be a great player. So, you know, I could have seen them picking him. But, uh, you know, I think it might also be just not an indictment on Sexton, but uh, I think it's, you know, he's far from a sure thing. He was... Oh, was he the eighth pick uh, last season? You know, had yeah. a, a okay rookie year. You know, but he's a, uh, you know, he's got some question marks. He's a he's a decent defender in, in my opinion, but he's kind of a a mid range shooter. He's kind of still trying to figure out uh, what his role is. You know, w- with an NBA offense, and yeah, I mean, I, I think uh, they can play together. And that, like you said, a lot of teams have, you know, have Paul and Harden have two ball handlers on the court. I'm, I'm sure uh, Beeline likes that and. Uh, know Sexton I think is is looked at as a as a pretty physical uh, aggressive defender so he can maybe guard you know some of the bigger guys and, and Garland can uh, you know maybe play that Damian Lillard role a little more where he's kind of off the ball and just relied on to uh, you know to be the scorer to be the shooter and uh, yeah I think that's kind of his skill set that's his you know again he's got a long way to go to to reach that but I think Garland uh, you know has really really deep range has has great touch on his three he can get his own shot off from uh, from distance and in a lot of different ways, a lot of different, uh, you know, moves off the dribble. And, uh, yeah, you know, watching watching him, Dame, CJ, those kind of guys were uh, were who came to mind uh, with Garland. That's a, great, that's a great comparison. Yeah, it's a shame what happened to him last year. It's too bad we didn't get to see too much of him play. But, you know, hopefully this year he stays healthy and he has a great season for them. Yeah, I, uh, you know, I think it was funny. I... I I didn't get to even watching Garland until probably a few days or a week, you know, before the draft. I don't, I don't watch much college over the course of the season, but, you know, leading up to the draft, I watch a lot. And I, you know, I, I said, I, I think uh, the reason that job was kind of considered, uh, you know, a, a tier above or that he was definitely better than, than Garland, I think has, you know, was probably just because Garland got hurt. You know, if, if Garland had stayed healthy all season and, you know, put up great numbers and, uh, you know, took Van D whatever a little better than they were um you know i think people uh obviously were rewarding job for the great season he had and his team had but you know they also penalized the guy for for getting hurt on something he obviously couldn't control so uh yeah i think garland has a chance to to be the best point guard still in the draft and i think uh you know he'll obviously have a chip on his shoulder and uh be a pretty pretty effective player yeah yeah i hope so i hope he has a good one all right um who do you think? So who do you think is gonna be uh, the surprise rookie of the year this year? Do you think someone's gonna come out of nowhere that 
we didn't expect that's going to win rookie of the year? Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, smart money, like I said, is, is probably on is on Zion. But, uh, you know, if you gave me a pick of Zion against the field, I, w- I would probably take the field. I think, uh, you know, like I said, I think Ja, uh, you know, has a great chance from day one to, to be a really good player. I, I obviously like I love Garland and uh, Culver, like I said. You know, Rui probably not rookie of the year. He's more the longer-term uh, projection that's going to take some time. But, uh, yeah, you know, I think it's far from a, a foregone conclusion that uh, Len Zion wins it, but we'll see. It happens, yeah, yeah. I I think that someone else is going to win it. I don't think it's going to be Zion. I think I, – I, my thoughts are – I think it might be, like you said, maybe a Culver if you play – if it gets a lot of PT time and – We'll see what happens there. But all right, one last question: Are you going to Vegas? Are you going to the summer league this year? Excuse me. Um, Bless you. <laughs> thank you. I uh, yeah, I might actually be in Vegas, kind of by coincidence. I might might stop by for a couple games, but uh, not planning to go out there to to cover it. So maybe a game <laughs> or two. All right. Well, I think that's it for me, Brian. I I can't thank you enough for coming on. I really appreciate this. You gave some really good insight on the draft and. Um, you know, the summer league's coming up, so for everyone who's listening, definitely watch. We have the RJ versus Zion. Everyone's looking forward to that matchup. But um, I want hopefully everyone that's listening, please give Brian a, a follow on Twitter with Scout with Brian and go to his web's, website, Scout with Brian. Thank you, Brian. Thank you so much again. I can't really, I really appreciate it. You're awesome. Thank you, Jeff, for having me. Appreciate it again. Yeah, no problem. Have a great day. You too. Thanks. Thanks. Bye. All right, that was my interview with Brian Oranger. Again, former NBA Pro Scout uh, for seven years. Uh, a lot of fun. Great interview. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Like again, like I said again, follow him on Twitter at, Brian, at Scout with Brian or go to his website at scoutwithbrian.com. Awesome, awesome interview. Full of insight. Um, just a great guy overall. I can't thank him enough for coming on. I hope you guys enjoyed today's show. Um, You know, I'm trying to keep the shows within an hour. um, But I see what happens. Hopefully Kawhi Leonard makes a decision by the next episode release, which will be uh, Friday. Um, We're going to see what happens. On Friday's episode, I have another, I have Pro Scout Carl Berman coming on. Um, He gives his thought about the Vegas League and what's going to happen out there. It's that's another great interview. Um, yeah, I hope you guys enjoy. Have a great, safe, and Fourth of July. See you guys.